coast and floorboards to shingles. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Standing by to help you with your home improvement project, perhaps your holiday home improvement project. you got a little bit of time now before the next wave of guests arrive. Why not use a bit of that to spruce up your home and let us help? The number is one eight 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 Money Pit eight 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 six 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 three nine seven four. We'd like to speak with you if you're doing the project yourself or if you're not, because that sometimes is the smartest thing to do. Sometimes it makes more sense to hire a contractor, and we can help you by teaching you what the right questions are to ask to make sure you get somebody good to get that project done at your house. Coming up this hour, it's the busiest time of year for your kitchen, but with all that cooking, your home may start to smell less than inviting. To help, we've got some ideas on how you can keep your vent hood clean and working well so those holiday cooking odors won't overwhelm your entire house. And when it comes time to deck those halls for the holidays, we want to make sure that you decorate without doing any damage. We've got the do's and don'ts coming up. Plus, with all that holiday holiday foot traffic, you might be tempted to consider revamping worn-out flooring in your home. Kevin O'Connor, our friend, the host of This Old House, will be here with tips on the latest green flooring options. And this hour, we're giving away a great way to get started on any home improvement project or even a holiday project. It's a $100 gift card from Lowe's, courtesy of Airstone. Now, Airstone is a cool new product that helps you create the look of stone without the grouting or the heavy lifting. Going to go out to one caller, drawn it random from those that reach us for today's program. So pick up the phone. Let's get started. The number again, 888-MONEY-PIT, 888-666-3974. Leslie, who's first? Vicki in Louisiana is on the line with a shower pressure issue, I would say. Tell us what's going on, Vicki. I have a shower, and when I turn the handle all the way to the left on the hot, the, the pressure is fine. As I turn it to the right to get to the cold, it's diminished. And when I get to the cold completely, it's probably about 25% of what the hot is. Is it only on this fixture or does it happen at other showers or other sinks? No, it's just on that shower, just that okay. one shower. All right. And how old is the house, Vicki? 10 years old. Oh, so it's a fairly new house. Mm-hmm. Well, it sounds to me like there's a problem with this, that shower diverter. Right. If it's just happening on that one fixture, that mm-hmm. rules out a problem, a bigger problem with the plumbing pipes. So... For whatever reason, that diverter is not working properly. It could be clogged or obstructed in some way. Uh-huh. And it probably has to be, and it would have to be repaired or replaced. Okay. So is it something we can do at home, or is a plumber going to have to go inside that wall to do that, the shower wall? You can replace the the guts of it from the shower side without tearing it out. If you have to replace the whole thing, then you have to go into the wall. And if you have to go into the wall, um, the way it's usually done is by accessing that shower wall from the back side. Depending on how how your, how your house is built, if that into happens to be against yeah, if that happens to be against a closet or a bedroom or something like that, generally that's a lot easier than having to go through tile or or whatever the surface is of your of your shower stall. Yeah, this is the acrylic, the, the one piece. Yeah. So if it had to be replaced, you go you do it from the back. But a plumber should be able to repair that. Thanks so much for calling us at eight 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 Money Pit. Sean in Ohio is on the line and needs some help with a moist basement. Tell us what's going on. Uh, yes, uh, my basement, I finally got the outside fixed. I heard you guys say if it's a rain event, it's usually uh, drainage. So I got that done. And Oh, great. And now there, there's like some kind of ceramic or uh, waterproofing on the walls, and it's flaking off onto the floor. And it's been there. The house was built in the 70s, and I was wondering a good way to 
clean that up and what I could put on the walls to rewaterproof it. Okay, so I think what you're talking about are mineral salt deposit. Is sort of like a whitish, grayish, uh, powdery substance? Yeah, yeah, this is like it's been spackled on, though. Oh, so somebody put something on the walls and it's releasing and falling off the block. Right. Hmm. Okay. What do you plan to do with these walls? I just want to just waterproof them again, get the mold off of them and clean them up. So I don't know that you have mold on the walls. It sounds to me like you've got some sort of a finish that's separating. So can you scrape it off? Will it will it, it will it release easily? Yeah, yeah. I just don't know. Being in the seventies where it might have asbestos in it or is there a good better way to clean it up? I would say not likely. Of course you could have that tested too. But if it's coming off easily, I would remove it. And if I put anything on the walls at all, it would simply be a damp proofing material like a Thompson's water seal. And remember, the purpose of that is not to waterproof your walls. It's to slow down the evaporation of moisture from the soil outside into the walls and any mineral salts that will be drawn through because of that. You're not going to waterproof simply by painting your walls. It just doesn't happen that way. You waterproof by redirecting the water away from the house, which it sounds like you've already tackled on the outside. Yeah, Took me about 15 years, but I got it done. Yeah, if it scrapes off easily, I would continue to take the rest of it off. I'd clean it up. I'd put a couple of coats of damp-proofing paint on it, and uh, and I'd call it a day. Oh, okay. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You know, people tend to think sometimes that everything that's black and dark is moldy, and it's not always the case, especially when you're talking about concrete block walls the walls themselves don't grow mold. It's what's attached to them that grows the mold. And those home uh, test kits are notoriously inaccurate, and they can be misleading. Well, there's so many different kinds. I think you're you're bound to get some sort of reading. And it's normal to have mold in a house. You're always going to have some level of mold. So it's, 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 it's very misleading and really should only be used in the hands of a professional. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. We hope you guys had a great Thanksgiving. And you know what? Now it's official. The holiday season has begun. And we like to say it's the ho-ho home improvement season. So let us give you a hand with all of your holiday end-of-year home improvement chores, whatever you are working on. We're here for you 24 hours a day, seven days a week at 1-888-MONEYPIT. 888-666-3974. Up next, deck the halls without damaging them. Tips on hanging holiday decor is next. 888-MONEYPIT. The Money Pit is brought to you by Roxol, manufacturer of fire-resistant, water-repellent, and sound-absorbent home insulation products. Keep your home efficient and comfortable this winter and all year long with Roxol Comfort Bat and Roxol Safe and Sound Insulations. www.diywithroxol.com. Roxol, that's R-O-X-U-L. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Give us a call right now with your home improvement question. The number is one eight 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 Money Pit. If you do, you might just be the lucky listener whose name we draw out of the Money Pit hard hat and send along a one hundred dollar gift card to Lowe's. 
that you can use to perhaps pick up a very new cool product that they are introducing called Airstone. It's an ultralight wall covering system that can help you make a stone fireplace or maybe a feature wall, a DIY project because the stone pieces fit together perfectly. It's available at most Lowe's locations. The website is airstone.com. But if you call us right now, you could just win a $100 gift card to help you get started on that project or another one. The number is 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Leslie in Nebraska on the line who's dealing with an oversized oak door. What happened? Did it grow? (laughs) (laughs) What I did was I live in a 100-year-old German bungalow-style house. Nice. And I changed the doors. It had been remodeled, and it just has a flat holocaust doors in it. I changed them out for solid core oak doors. And in one room, the door now, the hinges are in the very corner, um, as it were. But at the bottom, it meets. And at the top, there's about a half an inch gap where we put wedges. So I'm wondering how to trim that out appropriately. The original doors had um, one by trim with the flat board on top, so they butt against the, the board on the top. And I'm wondering what I can do to make this work. So if I understand this correctly... You purchased a pre-hung door, you installed it into the old opening, and in order to make it fit, you had to shim it in quite a bit. And as a result, now you have large gaps between the pre-hung and the old door opening. Is that correct? Correct. All right. So you need a wider trim, obviously. That's where you're going to have to start with this. Now, the most traditional trim is, is clamshell, which is, I think, quite boring, two and a half inch or two and a quarter inch wide surrounds the door. A more interesting way to do this might be to trim it off with a two-piece trim. So what you could use is you could use a piece of baseboard molding as the first layer of trim. So this will give you a wide molding all around the door. And you could make this as wide as you have to. Baseboard molding is usually either two and a half inches or three and a half inches wide. So you treat, use that as casing, if that makes sense. And then on top of the outside edge of the baseboard, you can put um, corner molding. And so it becomes sort of, it's outside corner mold. So it becomes stepped. So the fluted part of the baseboard is against the hinge, and then it steps up at the end with the outside corner molding. And this gives you sort of a two-tiered casement arrangement all around the entire door. This can be very, very attractive. I once uh, did an entire house like this, and it looked really good. gives you a lot of dimension, and it kind of brings you back to the day when all of the moldings around doors were done in a really fancy way like this and gives that, that particular door a lot of personality. Thank you so much for your help. You're welcome, Leslie. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Pit. So if you're anything like me, you guys know me, I love to decorate the holidays, so that would mean that you love to decorate for the holidays. But keep this in mind, while you are decking those halls, there are a few things that you need to consider so that you don't damage your vinyl windows. Now, when windows were made from just wood, we didn't have this problem because we had wood filler and other ways to fix push pin and other hardware holes. But with today's vinyl and vinyl clad windows, 
you need to be really careful to balance being festive while being smart. Now, I know it's easy to be so excited about the holidays that you forget to be smart, but here's some things to keep in mind. Never put nails, screws, staples, or even glue into or on your window frame. Not only is it going to damage the window and decrease its energy efficiency, it could also invalidate your warranty. Also, don't decorate with anything that will keep you from being able to actually open that window up. Now, the best way to adorn your windows is to simply use suction cups with hooks to hang lights, hang ornaments, or wreaths. But another option is to use fasteners that feature removable adhesive strips. You can also use clear fishing line to loop the decor gently over the window hardware. Now, outside your home, you can use garland or wreaths by securing them to the siding and not the windows. By keeping your energy-efficient vinyl windows intact, you'll also be keeping your window warranty intact because if you go ahead and poke holes in it, the warranty is no longer going to protect you in the event something goes wrong with that window. Now, when it comes to the look of your windows, especially with the chilly weather ahead, now is a great time to spruce them up a bit, too. Money Pit partner Pella Windows and Doors is featuring their 350 series of vinyl windows and doors that are totally customizable, including a really large selection of between-the-glass options They've got everything from blinds, shades, decorative panels, and grills. And you know that goes in between the two panes of glass, so you don't have to clean it. You don't have to worry about cords if it's an operable shade. I mean, it's kind of slick, and it keeps those windows looking really awesome. Yeah, and you know, Pellis 350 Window Series is one of the most energy-efficient vinyl window or patio doors you can actually buy. I think they're 83% more efficient, so pretty impressive. If you'd like more details, you can visit them at Pella.com. That's P-E-L-L-A. Rusty in Missouri needs some help with an addition going on at his money pit. How can we help you? We actually just moved into this uh, this modular home, and we're we're looking at possibly adding on to it. And I uh, we were just curious on, you know, is there any do's or don'ts to that project, uh, adding on to something like that? And then where can I go about to find? Uh, any better ideas or any ways to go about that? Well, a modular home simply means that it was made in a factory, and there's nothing special about adding on to that. So you can go ahead and add the same way that you would add any addition. Now, the planning on this, though, is, is really important. Just with any project like this, you need to really start with an architect or a design pro to make sure that you lay it out properly and you think through all of the elements of it and you create a comprehensive list of specifications. Sometimes when the project is smaller, we tend to ignore this, but it's very important, we think, to have that list of specs. Because as you progress through this project, if the spec list is done, then all the contractors you come in will be bidding apples to apples. They won't all be selling you different windows or different doors that make it very difficult for you to compare. If you have every item of the improvement laid out, with the manufacturer and the type of product and so on, it'll be a lot easier for you to get this done. And you can rest assured that it will come out better as well. Rusty, thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Now we've got Elizabeth in Illinois on the line who's dealing with a brick situation. Tell us what's going on. I have a crack in my brick wall. It is about a fourth of an inch wide, and it goes from a windowsill down to the sidewalk. Yeah, and that's pretty typical. Around windows, around doors, that's the weakest part of the wall. So if it's a quarter inch wide, what I would do is I would seal it with caulk because you want to stop the water from getting in there. Now, one of the options that you might want to think about is a new product from DAP called DAP 3.0. They have a clear caulk. So it'll blend nicely with the brick. And it's not like silicone that looks kind of gray and mucky. It looks really crystal clear. 
and it's easy to use because it dries in 30 minutes. So I would use a product like that. I would caulk it to keep the water out because if you don't, what happens is the water gets in there in the winter. It will freeze and expand and start to widen that and break down the brick. So caulk it and just accept it as normal wear and tear. Okay, and that was DAP? DAP 3.0, it's called. Yep, DAP 3.0. Well, thank you very much. You're welcome. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. Now we're going to Patricia in Oregon, who's working on a tool shed. How can we help you? Well, uh, the tool shed is has uh, been established and has been standing for probably uh, 15 years, and it's in need of a new roof. Has it uh, served you well as the home for many of your tools for projects all those years? Yeah, it's great. It, it works it's as a uh, tack barn and a wood shed and a tool shed, and um, uh, it's definitely um, a good addition to the home and property. All right, so we want to take care of it. So you're looking at a roof for it. Yeah. Uh, the reason I was calling is because I in the northwest here where we live, where it gets a, lo- a lot of rain and problems with mold and that kind of thing, uh, I see some of our neighbors have gone to these metal roofs. Mm-hmm. And I've heard that they're quite expensive, um, but I thought I would call and get your opinion as to whether or not it seems worth it. Well, if it's a sturdy tool shed and one that's going to be around for a long time, if you put a metal roof on it, it's pretty much going to be the only roof you'll ever need. Um, I will say that the metal roofs have become a little less expensive over time. And because it's a very small building, it certainly could be a do-it-yourself project. You know, you could simply use a corrugated metal roof for that. There are dozens of corrugated patterns to choose from. You know, it's not terribly expensive. It will be more expensive than asphalt, but it's going to be a roof that's going to last the life of that building. Okay. Do you think it's important for the an outbuilding roof to match the roof of the home? Depends. Is it in the back of the house? Uh, yeah, it is, but we're kind of exposed all the way around. It's in a mm-hmm. rural area. Uh, you know, it's kind of a it's a decor question, I think, more than anything else, or a style mm-hmm. question more than anything else. But you know, if the if a lot of times folks have like sheds that that totally mimic the look and the feel of the exteriors at home, and if that's something you'd like to do, then then maybe you want to make them consistent. But uh, from a structural perspective, I think the metal roof will give you many years of protection. What about from an investment one? You think that's it's- uh, you know, if it was on your house, I'd say that it would definitely be a valuable addition to your house. The fact that it's on a tool shed, I don't think we could necessarily prove that a, a metal roof on a tool shed over an asphalt roof on a tool shed right. has ever had any reflection on the value of a property. Okay. I mean, it certainly could make it uh, more attractive if you have that kind of a buyer, but I, I don't necessarily think it will impact your home's value one way or the other. Okay, very good. All right, well, thank you very much. You're welcome, Patricia. Thanks so much for calling us at 888 Money Pit. You are tuned to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show on air and online at moneypit.com. Well, still to come, when you're considering flooring options for your home, think green. No, not as an avocado, as an eco-friendly. We've got some ideas for flooring that rely less on depleting resources and more on adding value to your home after this. Hi, I'm Norm Abram from This Old House, and when we're working on our projects, we listen to The Money Pit. On The Money Pit Radio Show, pick up the telephone, fix up your home sweet home, by calling 888-MONEY-PIT.
Money Pit is brought to you by Stanley Tools, your trusted name in quality hand tools. To learn more about their complete line of quality tools and to find the perfect holiday gift, visit stanleytools.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And we invite you to enter the brand new Santa's Home Improvement Sweepstakes, which is launching this weekend on the Money Pit's Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Money Pit. You could win one of several awesome prizes to help you get working on your DIY projects faster than Santa's elves work in the toy shop. Just go to our Facebook page by logging on to moneypit.com. Now we've got Andrew in North Carolina on the line who's dealing with shower drain issues. What's going on? When you take a shower, about a couple of minutes after the water has been running, it'll start to back up to some degree into the shower itself. And if you take a plunger and you use a plunger up and down, up and down, maybe four or five times, and you pull it up, all of a sudden as the water starts to go out slowly, you'll get a, a slurping noise. And then you're through taking the shower and it's running out. But you can go back in and 20 minutes later, and the same thing happens again. Right. So you know what that slurping noise is? No, sir. It's your shower drain gasping for air. For some reason, that shower drain is not vented properly. So as the water drains out, you create sort of a suction, and that's what slows it down. And so I suspect with you using the plunger, you're freeing up that suction and loosening up the water so it has a chance to grab enough air and go down. Was this shower added after the home was built, by any chance? No, sir. It's, it's been that way, and plumbers say there's nothing wrong. I said, well, there has to be something wrong. Yeah, if you're getting a gurgling sound like that, you're not getting enough air in it. And so it sounds to me like you probably need to add an additional vent. This is assuming that there's no clog there. Right, because we used, my wife has used liquid plumber. I used the plunger, the plunger, the plungers, and it goes out. But then when you stop, it, the same thing happens again. Right. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't use the chemicals. What you could do is run a snake down that line and make sure it's clear. Right. Just to make sure there's no hair or any other kind of gunk that's trapped in there. But generally when you have a a, a, a drain like that that's gurgling, it's looking for additional air and it usually means that the vent is not there or the vent is obstructed. And that's what really going to be the source of this, making sure we have enough air in there. If you had to add additional vents to it, you know, depending on how uh, easy or difficult it is to get to that line, it is possible. I appreciate your help, and thank you again. You're welcome, sir. Good luck with that project. Thanks so much for calling us at 888-MONEY-PIT. Well, are you in the market for a new floor? If you are, are you worried about choosing flooring that's eco-friendly? Well, we've got some good news for you. There have never been more options for flooring materials that are also good for the planet. That's right. And while no flooring product has zero impact, some materials are definitely better than others. Kevin O'Connor is the host of TV's This Old House, and he joins us now with some green options for your floors. Welcome, Kevin. Hi, guys. So what makes a flooring product very green? It's not just the color we're talking about here. Not just the color. Um, Well, several things I think will classify it as green? Is it sustainable or is it renewable? Or does it have any toxic chemicals involved in the manufacturing process? You know, these are all things to think about when you're looking for a green floor. Let's talk about the first point, being renewable. I mean, something like bamboo is incredibly renewable, grows fast, and also makes a super tough floor. 
Yeah, it's funny. You see bamboo all over the place right now. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people scratching their heads. Why is that? Well, it does. It grows super fast. So that means that when you harvest it, um, it actually comes back very quickly. So the yield is very high in terms of how much material you can get out of an acre of land. Um, it's oftentimes harder than oak. It's a good look. And so it definitely goes into the renewable category. Well, and I think previously with bamboo flooring, it had a very modern, stark look to it. You definitely saw you know, the, the ends and the nodes of the bamboo themselves. Now, bamboo flooring really just looks like a beautiful hardwood. So there's a lot of great options out there. I think we're getting used to it. There are different ways to cut it, but mostly it's just because we're accepting it more and we like looking at it. It's a sharp look. Mm -hmm. And you know, another one that's a really nice renewable source is cork. And cork floors, super durable, great for moist conditions, and really looks fantastic. Feels pretty good underneath your feet too, right? Or if the kids are rolling around. You know, cork, it comes from a tree um, and they actually cut it off around the tree. They don't kill the tree, so it grows back. So that is a sustainable material as well. And it's a very distinctive look. It is. And in fact, uh, this past summer, we were on vacation and got a chance to look at one of the most outstanding examples of American architecture, the Falling Waterhouse, built by Frank Lloyd Wright. Uh, Back in the early 1900s, he was using cork on the floors and cork on the walls of the bathroom. He was a visionary, wasn't he? He certainly was. And you know what? The original cork is still in good shape today. It's amazing. Now, Kevin, here's one that's surprising. Linoleum. I wouldn't necessarily think of that as a green flooring choice, nor something that's modern. Well, I mean, it's been around for a long time. Um, they make it the same way they've been making it for the last century, but it's all made from natural materials. So we're talking about linseed oil, cork dust, wood flour, tree resins, ground limestone, and they're all pressed onto a jute backing. So the materials are natural, but just because it's been around for a long time doesn't mean you can't get a real sharp modern look out of linoleum. There are tons of styles, tons of colors out there, and it fits into that green category. Good point. Now, recycled flooring is also very popular. Rubber flooring, for example, made from old tires and that sort of thing. Yeah, I mean, made from old tires, rubber. Here's my favorite recycled flooring, wood. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) I mean, think about this. We did this on a project a couple years ago. We took the beams out of an old mill building. Um, They were shipping off for disposal. We stopped them, and we had them actually milled into flooring. And so the wood has already been cut down. It was being used as beams for hundreds of years, and now we're using it for flooring. So we can reclaim a lot of these materials and put them down on our floors. And you know what's nice about choosing a green floor? There really are very few trade-offs. I mean, they're all durable floors. Most of them are reasonably green. But what about carpeting when it comes to that? Are there green choices in carpeting as well? Well, I mean, generally you want to look for natural fibers um, in your carpet because that's going to be a little bit more green. Um, things like wool or jute. Um, but, you know, carpets used to have a really bad name, um, the synthetic ones, because they were made with lots of resins and glues, and they've cleaned up their act considerably. So just because it's not natural fibers doesn't mean you can't get one with recycled synthetic fibers and also ones that don't have any toxins or off-gas. Great topic. Kevin O'Connor, the host of TV's This Old House, thanks so much for stopping by the Money Pit. Thank you for having All right, you can catch the current season of This Old House and Ask This Old House on PBS. For your local listings and step-by-step videos on flooring and even articles on projects that you can tackle, visit thisoldhouse.com. And This Old House and Ask This Old House are brought to you by The Home Depot. The Home Depot, more saving, more doing. Up next, all those delicious cooking smells can transform your house into a warm, cozy place. But if you don't keep your vent hood clean, well, some of those odors can stick around long after the holiday leftovers are gone. We've got those tips coming up. You live in a body pit.
benefit is brought to you by Total Protect Home Warranty. Get total protection against unexpected home repair or replacement costs for appliances, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, and electrical. Visit buytotalprotect.com to see if you qualify for a special offer. That's buytotalprotect.com. Making good homes better. Welcome back to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Hey, give us a call right now at one eight 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 Money Pit. This hour we're giving away a prize that can help you achieve the look and feel of your real stone wall without the need to hire a pro to do the work. It's called Airstone and it's an ultralight wall covering. And what's cool about it is that the individual stone pieces, they really fit together nicely. So there's really no need for grouting. All you need is the adhesive, and Airstone does the rest. Yeah, you know, this is really the only stone veneer that attaches directly to the wall, but still gives you the look and feel of real stone. But no mason is required, and you can expect to pay up to about 80% less than you would for a real stone project. It's also made from eco-friendly materials, and one lucky caller to the show this hour is going to win a $100 Lowe's gift card, and you can use that towards Airstone if you're working on a project where that'll work. Check it out at their website. It's airstone.com, and give us a call right now at 888-MONEY-PIT for your chance to win. 888-666-3974. Steve and I was on the line with a fireplace question. What are you working on? We have a gas uh, insert into a wall, and then on the outside of the house, there's a bump out um, to, to accommodate it. And we've been getting a lot of um, we get a lot of drafts in the winter through there. We don't use it. It, uh, it I don't think it's we just don't use it. It just mm-hmm. makes the room too hot. Um, and so we shut it off. But I'd like to really like to insulator on there because I know not only in the, I live in Iowa and not only is it hot in the summer, you know, so I lose a lot of air conditioning that way and then in the winter get a lot of draft in there. Steve, so, is this a gas fireplace? Are you talking about the wood chase that sort of covers it? Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a gas fireplace, that's okay. correct. It's, so is this up off the ground or does it go all the way down to the ground? Um, it goes all the way down to the ground and back, and in, in the, the foundation underneath it is bumped out as well. Okay, because a lot of times there's gaps when these bump out fireplace chases don't actually touch the ground, but in this case it's 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 in the ground as well. So your options are really limited here because it's a zero clearance fireplace and. You know, it can be against combustible material, but there are rules about how much you can insulate it. So what I would do is I would get the name of the fireplace. I would jump online. I would get the installation instructions, and I would determine how the fireplace was supposed to be installed into the chase, which is that structure. And then compare that to what you're actually finding. They're going to tell you in those instructions where exactly you can seal and insulate and how much insulation you can use. Because you don't want to do it incorrectly because it could become a fire hazard, either for you or for a future owner. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Well, if you're like most people, one of your favorite memories from holidays past is the smell of food cooking and wafting through your house. But that cooking can quickly turn into a stinky mess when certain odors like grease are involved. The solution is to clean your stove's vent hood. 
If you get this under control, you can really reduce the odors. These vent hoods can collect grease and bits of food that lead to odors long after the holiday meals are complete. Mm -hmm. To clean it properly, first of all, you want to remove the filter and soak it in the sink. Now, you can use a degreaser or a vinegar solution to clean both the filter and the vent hood thoroughly before you put everything back together. You also want to try to have that hood vent to the outside whenever possible. If you've got a microwave above the range, make sure it comes with a vent that can be turned on when you need it. Now, you might want to consider replacing your current vent hood with something a little bit more stylish and functional. We've got all the options. Just search vent hood at moneypit.com. 888-666-3974. Give us a call right now with your holiday home improvement question. Jane in Pennsylvania is on the line and needs some help with a bathroom heating project. Well, I have baseboard heat. It's hot water baseboard heat in the bathroom. And the uh, front cover is all rusting out. And I cannot find a cover. And right now I have contact over it, so you don't see the rust. You know, you can actually order covers for those baseboards. There is a company that sells perforated covers that goes on top of them, so it won't reduce the heat terribly much. I think it's called, um, is it Baseboarder, Leslie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their website is BaseboardHeaterCovers.com, and they sort of just go where, I, I guess they would replace that whole inset that's sort of rusted away on you. You keep your end panels, this piece goes in. Um, it's a pretty easy do-it-yourself you know, installation. You just have to make sure you measure them correctly. They're not going to rust, and because the entire piece is perforated, I think it's going to help you get as much heat out of it as you can. And, um, you know, since yours is mostly covered by the commode anyway, you know, they're not gorgeous. They're not terrible, I don't think, but, I mean, it'll do the job for you. All right. Thank you. This is the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Up next, is your front door looking a bit weary and worn? We've got tips to take it from drab to fab after this. The Money Fit is brought to you by Lutron Sensors. Tired of reminding your family to turn off the lights? Install a Lutron Maestro occupancy sensor and you'll never have to remind them again. It works with all bulb types and takes only about 15 minutes to install. For easy upgrades with big impact, choose Lutron. Visit ChooseLutron.com. Where home solutions live. Welcome back to the Money Fit Home Improvement Radio Show. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. And this is the home of home solutions we're here to help you with your home improvement projects your questions your do-it-yourself dilemmas for example do your electric bills always spike this time of year here's a solution just go to our website at moneypit.com and search on energy efficient holiday lighting we've got the latest details now you can cut those costs with energy efficient lights to make your house look very holiday-esque without spending a boatload of money yeah especially if you're the one that likes your home to be seen from space Talking you, yes. neighbor. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it, and you can still do it and be efficient at the same time. All right. And while you're online, you can post your question in the community section. I've got one here from
from Debbie in Brooklyn who wrote, I have a fiberglass exterior door which was stained. I believe it was done improperly in the first place. It seems to be flaking or fading in spots and needs to be redone. Can it be stripped and restained or should I just paint it at this point? How do I do it? Well, because it's fiberglass, it's very easy to strip and restain it. So that's exactly what I would do. I would make sure that we take off all the old stain right down to the original fiberglass, which is most likely going to be white. And then you can restain it. And here's a tip. You know, the folks at Thermatrue actually invented the fiberglass stain. And it's quite different than wood stain because it has less... um, pigment in it, and it does a better job of bringing out sort of the faux wood grain. So I might order one of those stain kits from uh, Thermatrue.com and use that the next time around. They'll give you the stain and the top coat, the clear coat, which kind of seals and locks the whole thing in place. Now, if it was a wood wood door, obviously, it would be a heck of a lot harder. But because it's fiberglass and the stain doesn't really soak into it, I would just strip it down and do it again. It'll come out beautiful. Mm -hmm. And it should last a long time as well, Debbie. So it's a project definitely well worth doing. All right. Now, Don at New Jersey, posted, we live in a six-room ranch house with 150-amp electrical service. There were not enough circuit breakers in the electrical box for the appliances we added over the years, so many of the circuit breakers were piggybacked. We're now considering redoing our kitchen, and electricians recommended either adding a second box, keeping the 150-amp service, or doing a whole new 200-amp system. What do you recommend? Well, when you say piggyback, I think that's what we call in the business double tap. In other words, you've taken two wires and attached them both to the same breaker. That's really not the way to go uh, because it actually, you will not get a really solid connection. You can get oxidation that builds up. It can overheat. So bad idea. 150 amps though is plenty of power for the house you described. So I think your electrician's idea of putting in the sub panel and moving everything to its own breaker makes a lot of sense. If you put the sub panel in, you can divide up all of those double tap circuits. Everything will be on its individual breakers. You'll have plenty of, uh, plenty of service there for your new kitchen. And that's definitely the way to go. All right. Now we've got one from Michael in Pennsylvania who wrote, is it necessary to remove the wood shingles before getting the house sided or can insulation and siding be put right over the old shingles? The house is 50 years old. Why take everything off? If you try to put all that extra material on top, think about your windows are now going to be recessed deep into the cavernous layers of siding that you've put on top of all that. Yeah. And you know what else? Your house is going to be all kind of puffy. And think about it. You know, we just applied for a variance to do a small addition to the house. And I can't even tell you how every inch matters when it comes to property lines, adding all of those layers, you might suddenly become in violation of a property line. Don't do it. You are listening to the Money Pit Home Improvement Radio Show. Hope you're having a great holiday thus far. More is coming up as we move towards the holidays that are at the end of the year. And if you are in a jam to get more projects done at your house before the next wave of guests arrive, remember you can reach out to us 24-7 at 888-MONEYPIT. If we're not in the studio, we'll call you back the next time we are. And you can also post your question online at moneypit.com. I'm Tom Kreitler. And I'm Leslie Segretti. Remember, you can do it yourself. But you don't have to do it alone. 